Good morning and welcome to Wake Up With Marcy. It's time to be inspired, empowered, and learn to live our happiest lives. We do this through stories of hope, celebrity inspiration, education, and resources. I just want to remind you all that my book, Chaos to Clarity, Seeing the Signs and Breaking the Cycles is available for pre-order on Amazon. And you can also check it out on my website at wakeupwithmarcy.com. My book is a memoir self-help book, and it helps you to see the signs from the other side, move into spirituality, break the harmful patterns in your life, and pave a new path to recovery. Now let's get to my incredible guest. We first meet Lamore Weinstein, a licensed psychotherapist and an eating disorder specialist. We are empowered through her personal story of battling anorexia and bulimia. Lamore developed the Karma Method, a structured five-step program that serves as the signature coaching method of bespoke wellness partners, supporting those with eating disorders and their families. We then meet three-time Olympic medalist, April Ross. She is here to share about the loss of her mother to breast cancer before she qualified for her first Olympics. She is encouraging us to get our mammograms and give ourselves this life-saving gift. April is collaborating with Dr. Joseph Russo and GE Healthcare to address why this exam is so important and why some women may be putting it off. And lastly, we meet CEO of Maserati America's Bill Pepper. He talks with us about the increasing popularity of SUVs among U.S. car buyers and the launch of the new Maserati Krakali SUV. Now let's meet my truly inspirational guest, get educated and move towards a better life. guest is licensed psychotherapist Lamore Weinstein, founder of Bespoke Wellness. Welcome to the show, Lamore. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to have you on the show and thank you for being so open about your story and how you are helping others with eating disorders. So let's start off. You, you had an eating disorder up to about 24 years old. Is that correct? Yes. So let's talk about how that started for you and what you realized about yourself and and, and how you got through it. I mean, I know that's pretty loaded, but uh, I mean, it's just incredible that you are where you are today. And I know you're going to be able to help so many through your story. Thank you so much. Uh, So it started when I was about 13. Uh, I went to a foster family when I was 12. And I just started, you know, just kind of feeling like, you know, really sad and anxious. And I started restricting and swimming and became really obsessed with everything that's related to losing weight in my body and got really, really Mm -hmm. also into education, which was a positive thing. But the obsession with being skinny and, you know, looking a certain way just kind of took over. And so I developed anorexia when I was about 14 and Mm. almost died. Actually, when I was just, I fainted, I got to the hospital and we thought that this was it. But luckily Mm -hmm. I was able to survive, um, but still didn't really get the right treatment. And for the next 10 years, I ended up binging and purging and kind of engaged in other behaviors, taking laxatives and toxic relationships that kind of ended when I was 
in my undergraduate school in New York. Mm. So yeah. what what is happening during that time? Why why an eating disorder? I, I I'm just trying to understand and help others to understand out there why someone would have this this coping mechanism, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it really is, and it was a coping mechanism for me because coming from a very challenging childhood and environment where there was a lot of abuse and neglect and, you know, a lot of also, I was always helping other people and people were talking to me about their problems. My father was telling me so much of his baggage and trauma. And I think it was just, I was holding on to so much Mm -hmm. and I wasn't expressing myself. So for me, the restricting was a coping mechanism because I wasn't able to take anything else. And by not eating, I was basically kind of, you know, protecting myself um, mm-hmm. and, you know, like not allowing anything in and isolating myself like socially and in so many different ways. And, you know, it was a very sad wow. period, but yeah, you know, I guess as I was getting into my school and got a lot of the education, I, you know, I I was writing a lot. So when I was 20 and I thought that I was really, you know, I was binging and purging all day and I thought that I was, Mm. you know, that was it for me. So I was actually writing, you know, what I thought would be my, you know, the last piece of writing. And it ended up, I ended up coming up with like a hundred pages. And over the years, I reflected on what it was for me that helped me overcome my eating disorders. And I realized that I went through certain steps in order to achieve my recovery or at least overcome my challenges. And these five steps are now the basis of my therapeutic method that I've developed and created and researched for the past 10 years. But let me ask you, did therapy help you or did you help yourself? So the writing, I mean, I was in therapy, but I think, you know, the talking part was very helpful. And the writing mm-hmm. was extremely helpful, but the missing piece in therapy, if I may say so myself, is mm-hmm. having a process to therapy. So what right. I realized by looking in my own recovery is that I had to go through certain steps in order to recover. And then as I started working with clients and getting more education, I ended up plugging in a lot of these different skills and tools from different modalities. And I realized that what helped me overcome my challenges also helps my clients overcome their challenges. So you discovered these five steps through your writing and what was working for you. And that's when you created Bespoke Wellness. Is that correct? Yeah. So when I reflected back on my own experience, I was curious, what what was it for me that helped me overcome my challenges? And I realized that I went through five steps that, you know, allowed me to feel better And the Mm -hmm. steps are knowledge and awareness, acceptance, releasing the past, making meaning and authenticity. So Mm -hmm. I ended up like weaving in a lot of skills and tools from different modalities. And I created Bespoke because I was looking for a one-stop shop for families and specifically teens, uh, a space that is collaborative and warm and inclusive of various professionals. So let's talk about teens. And when this starts and, and what can parents look for? 
Yeah, so I think there are a lot of red flags. And I think that sometimes parents are, you know, like busy and they're, they're not aware of these red flags, especially with eating disorders, because, you know, the child can be like starting to exercise or starting to mm-hmm. maybe be very careful with what they're eating or, you know, even sometimes taking medication and overtaking it so that they are not hungry. But for parents, sometimes it's like they see it as a good thing. But I think at some point, you know, I mean, it's important for the parent to kind of pay attention to it and more specifically pay attention to, you know, changes in emotions, in sleep, in uh, social situations. Are they going out less or are they going out more? Uh, Mm -hmm. Just different behaviors that affect, you know, their child. So let's say someone is noticing these things are happening with their daughter or son. Mm-hmm. Um, how exactly are you helping? Like, what what can we do? So I think it's definitely, you know, the first step is to have an awareness, right? And if mm-hmm. it is indeed an eating disorder, it's important to kind of accept that there is a challenge, right, that you're dealing with. And for a lot of the teens, they don't want to admit it because if I actually acknowledge that I have an eating disorder, then that means that I need to get rid of it, which means that I will get fat. So that's how they translate it. So I think Mm -hmm. just kind of understanding that. And at the beginning, I think it's important to just kind of get the skills that, you know, they need. So one of the skills that we use is cognitive behavior therapy. And basically all it means is that we control our thoughts and then the thoughts affect our emotions and the behavior. So Mm -hmm. if the child is restricting or binging, we cannot tell them stop doing it because they're not going to stop doing it, right? Right. But if we right. just kind of get them to be curious about what is it that you are telling yourself, right, that is making you feel a certain way, and then there's a behavior, then it is much less challenging, you know, it's less less challenging for them to change the behavior. But it does take, it takes anywhere from 12 to 36 weeks to change a behavior, according mm-hmm. to science. So mm-hmm. I think, that is another important thing for parents because sometimes they start therapy and then they stop. So yeah. I think it's important, whatever you start, just kind of stick with it and have mm-hmm. hope because if you look, if you Google eating disorder, there are so many negative messages. So yeah. I think that that doesn't help a lot of parents. And when I created Bespoke, it was very important for me to destigmatize mental health and to create an environment that's non-judgmental and inclusive and collaborative. So important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I know you are writing a book, so you'll be able to help us even more. Do you have a name? Digesting Life. Digesting Life. And do you know, uh, can you tell us when it's going to come out? Not yet, but I'll let Not you yet. know when it's out. Yeah. Soon <laughs> enough, you know. soon enough. Well, we'll yeah. we look yeah. forward to that. And thank you so much for coming on the show. And just real quick, uh, where can we find you if we are seeking help? Yeah, so you could either Google Limor Weinstein or Bespoke Wellness Partners, and you will get to our website and all the information is there. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and mm-hmm. helping us with this very serious matter. Thank you so much for having me. After the break, we meet three-time Olympic medalist April Ross and also Dr. Joseph Russo. They are here to speak with us about mammograms, why this exam is so important, and why some women may be putting it off. 
next guest say it's the perfect time to encourage someone you love to get a mammogram. And getting one can be a life-saving gift for yourself. Three-time Olympic medalist April Ross lost her mother to breast cancer before she qualified for her first Olympics. April is collaborating with Dr. Joseph Russo and GE Healthcare to address why this exam is so important and why some women may be putting it off. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Great to have you. And it is such an important topic. So April, I wanted to ask you, as an Olympic medalist, you've experienced such great success and I want to congratulate you. But the one person you wanted to share those experience with, experiences with is no longer here. So please tell us about your mom and why you're so passionate about this topic. Yeah, my mom was uh, an amazing woman and um, was really a large part of my success growing up. She was my emotional support system, drove me to all my practices, um, taught me about nutrition. uh, And unfortunately, she passed away when I was in college and wasn't able to come to the Olympics and see the fruits of, you know, everything that she did for me and uh, see me win my medals. And it was really tough to not have her there with me. I mean, um, I wear this necklace. She gave it to me in high school just to remind myself that she is really here with me. And I know she's watching down over me, Um, but I just want to use her memory for good. And, um, you know, it has inspired me to spread this message of breast cancer awareness and prevention and pair with GE Healthcare um, to promote their Don't Skip campaign. Yeah, it's very special you're working with them. So tell us uh, us about that campaign. Okay, I paired with them in October 2021 during Breast Cancer Awareness Month um, to spread the message. And now that it's Valentine's Day and also the Winter Olympics is here, it's a a great time to use my platform to um, spread the message of self-love in the way of taking care of your health. And part of that is going to get your annual mammograms. Unfortunately, during COVID, a lot of women uh, understandably skipped going to the doctor's office um, for those in-person visits. Um, So, you know, looking at health as a holistic view, it's really important to get back in there and start doing your yearly mammograms again. So that's where the don't skip um, hashtag comes from. Okay. And it is so important. And I I know that during this time, we have put our health basically on the back burner. So Dr. Russo, I wanted to ask you about mammograms and who should get one and what exactly is a mammogram? Sure thing. So uh, women should start getting their mammograms at age 40. Okay. Um, uh, There is some media controversy regarding the start date, but um, as technology improves, there's uh, no reason for a woman not to start screening at age 40 um, and every year thereafter, okay? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's only in getting that yearly screening mammogram that we're able to detect uh, small, slowly growing breast cancers. Um, So what a mammogram is, it's a low-dose X-ray of the breast tissue. It's done with mild breast compression. Um, the equipment that we use nowadays is a lot more comfortable than the mammo units that your mother or grandmother might have used. Uh, the 
newest generation of nano units from uh, GE Healthcare, uh, something called the Pristina unit. Uh, includes rounded edges and um, enhancements such as a remote control where women can uh, dial in the compression force that their breasts are receiving with the guidance of a technologist. So, you know, coming in for that baseline screening mammogram is really the best thing that you could do for your breast health. Regular screening mammography patients are 60% less likely to die from breast cancer uh, if they're doing that routinely. So this is why the Don't Skip campaign is so important and why uh, April's efforts here will definitely save lives. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the fear around mammograms and especially for those that this will be the first time and what kind of advice can you give them? Well, to get prepared for your mammogram, uh, there there are some resources that you can use. There's a website called mymammo.com. Uh, we've been encouraging patients to go to that website so they can get a feel for what to expect if it's their first mammogram. Um, a lot of women are, are afraid of, of the results, quite frankly. Um, they uh, hear horror stories about uh, what's happened to friends and family, and uh, you know they're afraid of getting bad news. But uh, the fact of the matter is not going for the mammogram should be a lot more scary than, than uh, going for it. Um, what we found is that... Uh, you know, once you go for that mammogram, we can find out what type of breast tissue you have. If you have more dense breast tissue, there's so many more technologies available for us to use than was available 10, 20 years ago. So, uh, you know, women should be taking advantage of this new technology as opposed to uh, being afraid to uh, experience it. I just have one more quick question. Um, So being that your mom passed from breast cancer. Is this something that's genetic, Dr. Russo? Is this something, April, that you're now having to go in more frequently to get screenings? Is that something that we should think about? Well, in in patients uh, with a a mother or daughter with breast cancer, uh, your your surgeon or your uh, doctor may recommend you going for genetic screening. Of, Of course, there are certain genetic markers that uh, dramatically increase your risk of breast uh, cancer. So for example, the BRCA gene is the most commonly uh, described one. Uh, the fact of the matter is for screening purposes, it doesn't influence the timing of your screening. It's still a yearly screening routine. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes, depending on a woman's density and risk, we will offer more personalized screening. So maybe an adjunct to screening mammography, such as automated breast ultrasound, or in those BRCA positive patients that I mentioned, you may even get a yearly breast MRI. So think of your screening mammogram or your baseline mammogram as your entree into breast imaging. And we are now offering a host of compliments to mammogram to help uh, find these small breast cancers. All right, wonderful. Where can we go for more information? Um, you can go to mymamo.com if you want more information on all of this. All right. Fantastic. Thank you, April. Thank you, Dr. Russo. Such an important topic. And, and thank you, April, for all that you're doing to spread the word. When we come back, we will meet CEO of Maserati Americas, Bill Pepper. He's sharing with us about the launch of the new Maserati Gricali SUV.
From affordable models to luxury ones, SUVs are dominating the U.S. car marketplace like never before. In fact, in Milan, Italy, Maserati unveiled its new SUV, the Gricale, here to talk about the increasing popularity of SUVs among U.S. car buyers and the launch of the new Maserati Gricale SUV is CEO of Maserati America's Bill Pepper. Welcome to the show, Bill. Thank you for having me, Marcy. It's great to be here. All right. How'd I do with the name? Perfect. <laughs> Fantastic. So we see SUVs everywhere. They're dominating the U.S. car marketplace. And why is that? What can you tell us about that? You're right, Marcy. SUVs have been growing for years. And last year, they made up almost 80% of the U.S. market. So four out of five vehicles were SUVs. Our full-size SUV, the Levante, was Maserati's top seller and made up almost 60% of our sales volume last year. As more consumers can continue to make the shift from passenger cars to UVs because of their convenience and their performance and their technology, the biggest opportunity we see is with the luxury midsize SUV segment. It's the fastest growing in North America with one of every three luxury vehicles sold in that space. And with our all new Gricale, Maserati can compete where the market's growing. With two SUVs, the Levante and the Gricale, it will firmly position Maserati as a quintessential luxury performance SUV brand. Wow, it's beautiful. So can you tell us about the unveiling that happened of the new Maserati Gricale? Yes, we unveiled it recently globally and this all new Gricale introduces Maserati to a new and younger customer audience and becomes the new entry point into the storied Maserati brand. The Maserati brand is over 100 years old. There are three things that we want to share. First, that the Gricale offers best-in-class performance with our available 523 horsepower V6 in the top-of-the-line Gricale Trofeo model like the one you see behind me. It offers a zero to 60 time in 3.6 seconds and a top speed of over 177 miles per hour. Second is best in class comfort and more rear leg room, more storage capacity and overall passenger space than its closest competitor, which is great for young and growing families. And third for the tech savvy customer, a standard 14 speaker audio system and a trademark analog clock, which has been transformed into a virtual assistant with voice recognition. Also, a first for Maserati is a wearable key that allows you to access your Gricale without having to carry a physical key. You wear it on your wrist. All this at an entry price of $63,500. Wow. I, I love the SUV. It's so perfect for our family. And uh, I, I can't wait to take a look at the Gricale. So tell us about the SUV. What is so special? I mean, you, you've mentioned so many things. And what is the key role that is designed to play for Maserati? We're confident that the Gricale allows Maserati to take on the German competitors in this space that do a, a very good volume. And to kick off our pre-sale, we have an exclusive limited edition, which you can only get online with an online reservation. And for our very first Gricale customers, they have the opportunity to order pre-order now a limited edition, which includes a 21-inch polished aluminum wheel, an adaptive air suspension, a 14-speaker audio system, the one I mentioned a minute ago, and a dual-pane panoramic sunroof. To make this more convenient, we've designed our reservation website in three super simple steps. Choose your exterior color, 
select a preferred dealership, and confirm your pre-order reservation with a $500 refundable deposit. The Modena Limited Edition is first come, first served, and in limited quantities. Wow. So how can the consumer find out more about the Gracali? Two ways. You can visit your local Maserati dealer or, of course, go to Maserati.com to get all the details on the all-new Gracale and our existing lineup. All right. Thank you, Bill. It's beautiful. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you all so much for joining Wake Up With Marcy today. What an incredible show. Learning all about eating disorders and the help that's available and mammograms. Ladies, get out there and get your mammograms. It's so important. It is a life-saving gift we can give to ourselves. And what a beautiful new car. If you want to see these segments over again or want to find out more information, go to wakeupwithmarcy.com. Also, want to see any of the past shows, go to YouTube at Wake Up With Marcy and subscribe. Uh, keep you updated there. Also on my email list, if you want to go to wakeupwithmarcy.com and subscribe. And also, of course, I'm on Instagram at officialwakeupwithmarcy underscore. Love to keep you inspired through the week. I hope you guys have an incredible week. Please be kind to yourself and kind to others. And I'll see you next weekend.